0: Today's episode is brought to you by Slater's 50-50 and Tuity Fitness.
1: Everything sequel contains explicit language. And why the fudge not, you melon farmer?
0: Hello and welcome to the Everything Sequel Podcast. This is the Another Edition. Today we're talking about Another Stakeout, a sequel to a 1987 hit, uh, Stakeout. My name is Michael Schantz from the How Dare You Awards. With me is the magical and wonderful Tom Stewart of Lonesome Whistle Productions. Tom, what do you have to say for yourself?
1: What are you going to do, blame the deficit on me? Actual dialogue.
0: I always look forward to what quote will appear (laughs) when we first talking about these movies. All right, we're talking about uh, two sets of sequels: another Forty Eight Hours and another Stakeout sequels. This one is a nineteen ninety three sequel to the nineteen eighty seven original, directed by John Badham, a budget of thirty million dollars. was spent on another stakeout, Tom. It only grows 20 million dollars in the USA. I believe that at least 15 million of the 30 million dollars was spent on the very first explosion we see. Right. <laughs> what do it's, you think?
1: You know, I I have it in my notes that this is such an ominous opening. There is no there's no comedy in this comedy for a good 10 minutes, but there's some really good, you know, you 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 feel like you're setting up for a different movie and i wanted to see that Well that's that movie, the thing though. And we didn't get that movie.
0: So for those for those of you that that were listening to the previous podcast where we did another 48 hours, it was discovered that Tom has not seen the original 48 hours or the original stakeout. Yeah. So he came into these without any knowledge of the previous movies. And the funny thing is, Tom, is that the first stakeout also basically no comedy in the beginning. The beginning is a, a jail breakout. Right. And the, the problem is, is that, and we discussed this in the last episode as well, you know, it looked grittier. It had that pale kind of color palette. And the first movie just blends the action and the comedy so much better than this movie. Um, and that's why this looks so out of place, this, um, you know, Miguel, uh, Fer- is it Miguel Ferrer? Ferrer, yeah. Ferrer. Miguel Fer- Ferrer is a wonderful actor.
1: Well, I mean, that's what struck me just just from the opening titles is like some of my favorite, some well, no, some of my favorite, some of the best actors in 90s movies and TV are in this movie. Yeah, right. I mean, it's but he Miguel feels... Ferrer, Kathy Moriarty, Dan Laurier from The Wonder Years. Yeah. Um, uh, Dennis Farina, for fuck's yeah. sake. Yeah, right. <laughs> and so, I, I, and, you know, and with that cast list and the way that this movie started, I mean, I, I saw this at the movie. I've, this, I, I hadn't seen uh, another 48 Hours before, so I was going in completely blind. With this, I saw it at the movie theater uh, when it came out. Um, so I didn't know that it was going to turn into a, a, Rosie O'Donnell comedy, but, um, right. uh, still with like, you know, the, the, I was like, this is setting up for a really good thriller.
0: Is that what you thought?
1: If this came on TV on cable at night, I'd be like, Oh, I'll give it, I'll give it a try. Look at the cast. So Look when
0: at- we were, when, when we were introducing the two another sequels, you had said there were a uh, couple scenes in this movie that you really liked? Was the explosion one of them?
1: Uh, the whole open the, the opening scene before, before we start to get, basically, up until this becomes an animal comedy. Right. I, I'm enjoying it immensely.
0: Immensely? That's the word you're choosing to use with me? What? I guess, <laughs> I guess, I guess my, my, my contempt is, is risen out of uh, the idea that, uh, it's not your fault because you haven't seen the first
1: movie maybe but um, I was yeah I think it's sort of it it I mean you know watching this after another 48 hours I was thinking I was thinking okay maybe I'm a little bit more on board with this than than another 48 hours and then no that's funny then we get to the Space Needle and oh my god does it does it go bad quickly quickly it goes south so quickly. I mean, it's this very... We have this very relatively classy opening that's, like, you know, you can tell that there's, like, a real director behind it for the way the action is handled, the way the actors are doing this stuff.
0: I'll give you that, yeah. There there are some, some pretty astonishing shots in that and, explosion. And, you know,
1: within minutes, we're in, like, garbage spaghetti, animals you know using like moonraker style levels
0: of animal comedy uh it's crazy well yeah and speaking speak yeah it's nuts but the thing is though like speaking specifically to the space needle the sort of second cold open because we have again a movie with two cold opens <laughs> it's uh-huh. so true and so yeah so when we when we i mean and we we discussed this in the last episode where <laughs> Each of these movies is trying to be like a shot for shot remake oh. of their predecessor. Meanwhile, both of these movies are sort of a shot for shot, not remake, but a shot for shot, you know, telling of, of, of each other. I, I It's just astonishing. Uh, but Another 48 Hours to me is just so much more clearly successful. This this idea when we when we catch back up with our cops and their. Uh, you know, working on the tip of a homeless man. That's right. <laughs> uh, a mu- a murder... <laughs> <laughs> to try and catch <laughs> A homeless somebody. man with murder on his this mind. Is, yeah, I mean, this whole sequence is in d- uh, direct reference to the first movie when you first meet the cops and they chase a bad guy, but they're at a fishery. And so they end up, you know, Richard Dreyfuss ends up in the fish. And... is So is it an octopus that time as well? Nope, no octopus, just fish. And that's what I mean by this, where they're trying to raise the stakes. and (laughs) They're trying to raise the stakes by including octopus and by making sure that it's spaghetti that dumps on him. And yet when he gets out of the dumpster truck, it's a fish that's in his holster. After a homeless man shoots his suspect that he's handcuffed, I mean, with his own gun. I mean, it just like takes ridiculous to a whole new level that just makes you it makes me cringe when I watch it when I think about how great and how much I love that first movie
1: well yeah I mean by the time we get into the 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 precinct um you know after this uh homeless man octopus garbage spaghetti sequence the
0: homeless adventure as I like to call it Uh,
1: you know as every good movie begins with a scene like that right we, you know, we've gone from an entirely serious film to the broadest possible comedy. Yeah. But, you know, the, the captain. Ha- Did the captain have a bulldog in the original? Is he even in the original?
0: He is in the original, but what he is, is he's partnered um, with Forrest Whitaker, um, and they are the other shift of the stakeout.
1: So Forrest Whitaker's turned into a bulldog.
0: No, the Bulldog. <laughs> it's not that crazy in this sequel. Uh, I, I, you know, we're, we're this close to that being possible. Right. But uh, Forrest Whitaker. Is is partnered with uh, I'm forgetting his name, uh, Dan, right?
1: Dan Laurie. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, so they're partners and they take the day shift in trying to watch Madeline Stowe and Richard Dreyfuss and Emilio Estevez have the night shift. And they're playing pranks on each other throughout the whole movies and it's just a, a great fun to watch.
1: That sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> of that those sounds cops. really
0: good. <laughs> <laughs> what It works, doesn't it? Like there's a reason that movie worked and why this one doesn't. So essentially...
1: Human characters are being replaced by animals. That's the. That is the. Basically, they've gone where we once had a human actor that we like. We will now have a robot. We will now have a dog. And a cat and a, bulldog. and a
0: cat. Yeah, and Rosie O'Donnell.
1: Yeah, well, I like... mean, I'm in, I'm, in, I'm including her in. The, I mean, I I don't know about you, but I the first thing I wrote when Rosie O'Donnell came on screen was. It's a genuine question. What was the appeal of Rosie O'Donnell?
0: I think just popular at the time, like she was the up and up and coming.
1: Right. No, I, I, I and that, that is. I mean, it was an acknowledgement that that was yeah. the case. But in terms of content, like, what did people like about her turning up in a movie? Because. Right now, I, I mean, she was contractually obliged to play a comic sidekick in every movie from 1990 right. to 1995. But once when she wandered on screen, I was like, there's actually nothing less I would like to happen now than for her to right. enter into this. movie." And,
0: and And also by such weak means, like in in what world does the assistant district attorney go on stakeouts with cops? She just kind of says, oh, and I'm going. Uh, maybe. Well, maybe this is also the
1: point to address the fact that, I mean, another 48 hours is not really another 48 hours. Right, yeah. Right?
0: They're on a timetable just in the first here, movie of 48 hours, and they are not really on a timetable other than Jack might get booted off the force or, you know, have to turn in his badge while he wait, awaits trial.
1: In, like, six months.
0: Yeah, exactly. Right. It's not It's not for 48 hours. So it should have been called another six months.
1: But also here, am I correct in thinking that what they're doing is not a stakeout as much as an undercover operator?
0: But by happenstance, because because of the dog who chases a cat into the people's yard, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like they are supposed to... But they have covers. They have cover
1: stories, and it's 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 an it's an undercover operation.
0: Yeah, but that seemed to be more of her invention. Hmm. You know, she had built these cover stories.
1: I mean, I'm I'm not even sold on the I'm not even sold on the idea that you can be a police officer and be a stakeout specialist. Right. Like
0: covered with one line, we hear you're good at it.
1: Right. Right. Which is as you know basically saying is this is this is you know there's been a there's been a movie before about this. right
0: but the funny thing is is in the previous movie you know the the love interest of richard dreyfus in this movie is the woman he was watching in the first movie mm-hmm. you know so and and everything that he did was procedurally not appropriate <laughs> in the first movie And you'd think just based on that, no more stakeout assignments for you two.
1: Well, I'm glad glad to hear you say that because, you know, I I was struck by how voyeuristic uh, the, the Emilio Estevez and Richard Dreyfuss characters are. I mean, it's just inappropriate for him to be ogling the neighbor woman and miming, groping her. Right. There's no And there's no, like, there's no one coming in
0: going, you shouldn't do that. Stop that. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> You're about to get demoted now. <laughs> in fact, like,
1: again, we we're skipping ahead here, but it, it ends on a freeze frame of Emilio Estevez, like, being a peeping Tom. Right. As a lighthearted kind of comic moment. And it's sort of like... It, this should be called like another stalk-out or yeah. something because these guys are just stalkers. That's a,
0: that's a fair assessment. <laughs> uh,
1: so, so I'm glad that I'm glad that you know that uh, this is not something they invented yeah. for the sequel. That they're a bunch of pervs.
0: There is consistency within it.
1: Okay, it's good. Good. I'm glad there's consistency there. Yeah. Um, so and. Uh, but the, this is, I mean, this is also lines like, oh, we're here, you're good at that. They they say, but there's a scene where you think they're going to talk, they're going to tell you the plot of the first movie, which I was looking forward to, having never seen it. Yeah. And they say, well, we never mentioned
0: that. So they have this scene.
1: So is it just trying to have its cake and eat it too? Like, we're a sequel, but... That's the thing. You know, like, this movie, also an you original. know,
0: aside from... It just clearly trying to be like slip-on uh, banana peel comedy. Um, it uh, you know it has this moment when they're driving up in the car and they're close to where their house is, and Richard Dreyfus is trying to explain to Rosie O'Donnell like how a stakeout works. Like we don't need this cover story. We're not going to meet them. We're not going to talk to them. That's not how it works. We, we stay away from them. We stay in the house. We don't ever leave. That's what happens on a stakeout. But considering everything that happened in the first movie, like I really would have liked, you know, Emilio Estevez to just lean over and say, who are you dating again right now? You know, like have some sort of reference to the yeah. their, their massive yeah, mistakes in the past. <laughs> and then, like, let me ask you this, because I guess it's hard for you to comment on this cuz you have not seen the first movie but the first movie you have Richard Dreyfuss and Emilio Estevez which doesn't seem like the most coherent pairing let's say right no but they have this amazing chemistry in the first movie like they are fantastic together and somehow all that chemistry vanishes in this movie like, it seems so forced in this movie to me. Like It's like they'd never met before.
1: I I, th- I thought of it... Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree, and I'm glad you said that, and I assume that was the case. They both have this dead-eyed look about them.
0: Do you feel like it's a cashing-a-check dead-eyed look, or...? <laughs> well, I mean,
1: I... It, it... Something that I guess it's something that happens by turning it into a trio instead of a double act, right? Which is classic, you know, classic sequel, upping the ante, and and has worked before. You know, Leo yeah. Leo gets in. Uh, Lethal Weapon is a great example of that working, um, but here what it does is like everyone is acting in their own little comic pod, but they're not
0: not with each other exactly, with each yeah, other or. or There's just something amiss.
1: Zero chemistry between them. There's there's, there's even there's like and there's kind of these moments that you want to be kind of uh, comically successful, like something that I assume wasn't was like a that something that an improv where Richard Dreyfuss just points his gun at Emilio Estevez at the dinner table.
0: Yeah, it's the hummus joke. Hummus is on the side, and he says, So it's a homicide.
1: Yeah. And I sort of like, like, you know, in normal circumstances, I'd be like, Oh, that's a great kind of rapport. Yeah.
0: Moment. My first thought was, That's fucking dangerous. But I was just, I
1: was scared <laughs> yeah. for Emilio. I was like, Is he gonna just kill him? Right. Is he gonna, like, is he gonna, um,. Brandon Lee the crow him on set i mean like what is going to happen here but not nobody looks particularly happy to
0: yeah to but be it doesn't there. yeah it goes beyond the character's not wanting to be there to the actor's not wanting to be there all right well we're just getting started with another stakeout we're going to take a break and then we'll come back and hash out some more of why this movie is just so terrible look People, we're living in strange times. We know that, don't we? Of course we do. People don't even know what to do with themselves. We're getting stir-crazy. Well, get outside and get yourself some great food, I say. You need to go to Slater's 50-50 and Point Loma's Liberty Station. It's time to treat yourself to booze, to beer, to burgers, and more. They have their full menu, people. Their full menu, I say. How many restaurants do you know that are doing that? Most places are doing a quarter of their menu, probably. Some might be doing a half. Maybe a few have got three quarters of a menu. But Slater's 50-50 has their full menu, including their signature 50-50 patty. It's half-ground beef. It's half-ground bacon. It's 100% delicious. What more could you possibly ask? Worried about social distancing? Well, it is in place, people. Tables are separated, and the staff will always be seen wearing masks. You're out of excuses. Get off your keister and come on down to Liberty Station's own Slater's Fifty-Fifty. Indoor dining available. Outdoor dining available. Bring the family. Bring your dog. Come enjoy the normal again. Good day to you. I said good day. And we're back. We're here talking about another stakeout, the 1993 sequel to the 1987 original hit, Stakeout. Uh, Tom, when we left, we were just talking about sort of this idea of, like, the lack of chemistry between the three actors. And I was saying it's astonishing that even Richard Dreyfuss and Emilio Estevez don't seem to have any rapport when they had such great chemistry in the first movie. It's just sort of, I'm still baffled by it. Like, I still want to talk about this a little bit.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, it is, it is, uh, it's very, very strange. I, I don't know, maybe just you put Ro- Rosie O'Donnell in a dog and people can't act anymore.
0: Yeah, is that it? <laughs> or Because like, it's, can we chalk this up to John Battam? Is there something in the directing? Because the movie looks a lot different. Like we t- discussed, it kind of looks like, car- you know, the whole movie feels like a cartoon for me. And I'll tell you this: the one thing, because both these another sequels use their original music, but in this movie it's different. And to me, the music in this movie is like a really big problem because mm. it makes the, the the musical score to this movie makes it, the whole thing sound like Keystone Cops. Yeah. Like it's going for that level of comedy, you know?
1: Yeah, I, I, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it is a very strange. I think you know you get extreme shifts from comic to serious. Here's what I think about it. That struck me. But about to me, except for through, the
0: explosion at the beginning, there's not anything in this movie that's serious.
1: Right. Well, once we get into it, yeah, I mean, uh, John, John, John Badham's, uh, like, uh, it's kind of interesting because he directed Short Circuit, but yeah. not Short Circuit Two, right? Yet he directed both Stakeout and another Stakeout, which yeah, me this to was his first and this only. This is not sequel. a man who's particularly comfortable with the idea of repeating the formula, and that kind of shows a little bit but maybe I think that discomfort bleeds through to the returning cast who just seem kind of burdened by what they're doing like beyond how they're supposed to feel burdened in the storyline
0: right yeah. they just
1: look depressed um
0: but trying to show so much aren't we cute joy
1: well, it's, 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 it's like we t- we talked about in when we looked at Jaws 2, we talked about, you know, what what came first, the chicken or the egg? Was, was was Roy Scheider so dispirited on set about being there that they had to make that part of the movie that he's like, right. he's depressed for so much of it? It's the same thing going on here where, you know, we have to have Richard Dreyfus's marriage, his marriage collapsing, just to justify the look on his face throughout this movie.
0: Maybe. But the thing that really bothers me about that, too, and, you know, obviously, once you decide to make a sequel, the first movie is no longer going to live in isolation. But when you watch that first movie, you have this sense of two people that honestly and truly belong together. Yeah. And so when you have, um, to me, just like the easiest trope possible is, hey, they're having relationship problems.
1: Yeah. Or facial hair. I mean, in both Another 48 Hours and here, a big thing is made of the fact they have different haircuts or different facial hair. Right. It's like, like, if that is all you have to talk about, then you should not have made this movie. If that is (laughs) a line of dialogue in the movie, we're well beyond extraneous.
0: Yeah. Well, and the thing that... You know, uh, putting aside the fact that there's, like, an excellent stunt at the beginning of this movie with the explosion, and I was referencing this earlier about Miguel uh, Ferrer, who's an excellent actor, but he seems misplaced in this movie. Completely. Not completely his fault, either, though, because, as written, this masterful assassin seems kind of bumbling, you know what I mean? Like sure he's putting gasoline into the whatever it is the septic oh, tank of of this stakeout house that but he drives like a half a mile away before hitting the explosion button and um Kathy Moriarty gets to escape when he finally finds her at the end of this film he's got his assassin rifle but he's just like you know the two cops see him plainly from the next door house he's and he off screen i mean yeah The
1: the there's a weird mix of tones in this movie that just don't sit well together. I mean, again, like I there's there's, there's several moments in this movie that chill me to the bone. He when he finally meets up with his corrupt cop counterpart, yeah, he immediately kills him. But you could see
0: that coming from a mile away, couldn't you?
1: Well, well, I can, but I mean, like. Is it something? Something we need? There's when we have violence. There's a lot of violence. Yeah. But i um, to me one like we talked. We we've, we've trashed this movie a lot. But uh, to me, where when uh, the the big highlight for me in this movie is uh, two words: Dennis Farina. Yeah. He not only does he own this movie, but he's the only comic thing in the movie that works that's actually comedic right he has a scene where he quickly eats an ice cream i was just gonna say it's like the best scene
0: in the movie is him trying to eat this ice cream sandwich and And instantly gets a headache (laughs) i mean it's the one truly funny thing in the whole movie
1: that is all I remembered from the first time I saw this movie.
0: Right.
1: I, when I saw Dennis Farina's name in the credits, I was like, oh yeah, the ice cream The ice sandwich. cream
0: scene, yeah. And, you and know, it's I, funny I, too, because notes, you don't think like, of Dennis Farina thing? as... Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Wait, say it again.
1: Is that a good thing or a bad thing? That, that That's the only the thing you remember? The movie is Dennis Farina eating an ice cream sandwich. Yeah, oh, you can well, take it either way.
0: I, w- I would argue but, it doesn't say he, much for your movie. As great, but he—I mean, he, he, he schools
1: everyone else on what it means to like combine comedy yeah. and drama. Um, and yeah, that's a real. That's
0: well, it's just one highlight. thing this I'm movie just, doesn't I, I, I'm have glad is that these, is the, the,
1: the first these terrible characters are so well cast. Right.
0: Yeah, because the first movie, you really got a sense of what it's like to be a cop. The two cops actually <laughs> hold each other accountable. Uh, Really more Emilio Estevez holding his partner accountable. Um, He has this great scene in the first one where he said, you know, I busted my ass to make Detective before 30 and I'm not going to let you fuck that up because he's out, you know, Uh messing around, dating the person they're supposed to be watching. And these are really good moments. And when there's danger in the first one, you really believe the danger in this movie you don't believe that there is danger because it all looks so comedic, and then all of a sudden somebody gets shot in the chest, and you think, "Oh shit, that was violence."
1: We get these, just these really dark turns out of nowhere. Um, you know, the the violence is really bloody and violent, and just, you know, it's it it's not enough that Kathy Moriarty kidnaps Emilio Estevez. They stand there and talk about how they're gonna right. kill him. Yeah. In front of him, these this nice, you know, this, this nice, nice couple. Uh, um, suburban yeah. family are just like, oh, yeah, of course I'm going to kill him and take him. out. I'm like, whoa, but, whoa, whoa.
0: Okay, but then you have so Dennis this... Farina, like acting the shit out of that moment when he's you really believe he's just an average guy saying, whoa, wait a second, kill him. That's not what people do. Yeah. You don't you like you know what I mean? Like he's you feel the genuine fright within him. Of what that would be. Another, another
1: real, uh, another drawback um, to this to another stakeout to me is it dates itself so yeah. horribly. I mean, Ro- Rosie O'Donnell aside, right? <laughs> um, you know, there's jokes about the, yeah. the deficit, Ren and right. Stimpy, yep. Game Boys. <laughs> This movie wants to die on the hill of seeming contemporary.
0: Of early 90s, yeah. In
1: 1993. In a way that I just, is so, so, so short-sighted. I mean, even in like five years' time, no one's going to understand what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet, it like egregiously does that. And I, again, I think that's some of the insecurity of like, you know, what have we got? What what's Why are we bringing it back now? Um, unfortunately the their answer is this like so we can make jokes about
0: Ren and Stimpy. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, Ren and, Red and guess, Stimpy. You know... Remember them?
1: Well, it, yeah, it, that's that's I mean that's what it turned into for me watching it. Well, now, you know what but, it reminds um... me
0: of? It reminds me of um, you know, Disneyland switching over the Twilight Zone themed to the Haunted Mansion in favor uh... of Guardians of the Galaxy, oh. because surely we're going to still be talking about Guardians of the Galaxy thirty or forty years from now, correct? Nobody uh, will care about Twilight Zone. Well, in thirty years. Yeah. So it has I, that feeling.
1: Spe- speaking of class, speaking of classic movie references, the other moment that I kind of liked, that I kind of thought. And it was the only moment in the movie where I thought, oh, I can see how this partnership would have worked in a better movie. Um, In the final shootout um, sequence, where they're being shot by their own people, the feds. Right. Are shooting them, and and they have this kind of banter that's sort of Butch and Sundance-y a little bit. Um, But it's
0: shot so horribly. Like, it looks terrible. Like... Yeah. those like they're yeah. so exposed I, I
1: at that moment I believed that they were a, a unit and I was like I was like oh I, I felt like oh, I could watch these guys you know I, I think it was maybe just because I don't know they they'd they'd had Red Bull or something and they were <laughs> just a little they just seemed a little less dead-eyed
0: <laughs> I don't know that scene really bothers me because I thought if you're the federal agents shooting at them there is no reason to miss. Because half their bodies are sticking out <laughs> from behind the rocks. <laughs> like,
1: like. Well, the, the big reason to miss, miss is, you know, we don't want to kill these characters because we want another movie.
0: Do we? <laughs> do we really? The,
1: the, way, the way that they send Rosie O'Donnell into that ambulance, I would not have been surprised if they just blew up that ambulance and turned to the camera <laughs> and say, she's not coming back, okay? <laughs> Even if we make another movie, she's not coming back.
0: She'll be gone.
1: It's like they decided that it was a bad idea she was in the movie as the movie was being made.
0: Right. Well, I got to tell you... The Jar Jar
1: Binks syndrome, I believe.
0: Yeah. Uh, Almost... (laughs) I would say uh, almost from start to finish, to me, this movie is just an abject horror. Uh, Nothing about it works, uh, or I'll say very little of it works, um, other than Dennis Farina and uh, one really nice explosion... Uh, This movie's a bit of a mess. But you're talking right now about um, the next movie, so we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to decide which of the Another sequels deserves to have Another Sequel pitched, and then we'll pitch our sequels. Stay tuned, and we'll be right back. All right. Go ahead and check out 2 T Fitness. Tina Bernard has got you for all your needs. I know her personally. She's fantastic. You're not going to meet a better person to help you become the new you. Check it out. And we're back. We're here discussing the another sequels. We've talked about another 48 hours. We just finished with another stakeout. Tom, what we've decided to do for these two another sequels was sort of pitch them together and against each other. Normally, we have a pitch a sequel segment at the end of our uh, last episode. So, what I'm supposing is that we're going to decide which one of these uh, series deserves another sequel. So, which do you say deserves the sequel?
1: Why choose? One word for you. (laughs) Crossover.
0: (laughs) Oh, like a Magnum P.I. slash Simon and Simon episode. These movies
1: are identical. They could easily exist in the same world.
0: Wow. What do we do about uh, one set of... Well, not even a set. One cop works in San Francisco with a convict... (laughs) and the other two work in Seattle. How do you handle that? Um Is this your pitch well, by the, the Well, uh, the
1: movie the movie I'm pitching is called Another 48 Hour Stakeout. <laughs> and
0: um, I just expect nothing less. This
1: is basically the the both uh, Las Vegas Police Department and the San Francisco Police Department are uh, having realized that there's a lot of uh, rotten apples in their, in their respective forces in terms of people who are working with the mob, um, they uh, they realize that a cop who we've never met before in the time-honored tradition of these movies, never heard about, but it's talked about as if they've been a character <laughs> all along. Let's call them... Uh, How would you know? <laughs> Dave Badonga. Lieutenant Dave Badonga Lieutenant Dave Badonga is, uh, basically, they think he was working with the Iceman and also whatever that guy with the spectacles was who was uh, the inside man for the Vegas mob. (laughs) And so, um, Richard Dreyfus and Emilio Estevez are set to, uh, as stakeout specialists, they are... um, right brought in from, um, uh, where, do, where they live in Seattle, don't they? So we like, the, there's yeah. only two cops who can do stakeouts properly, and it's these guys. So we, 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 we're we going to fly them in from Les, from <laughs> no Las Vegas. We're going to fly them in from Seattle so they can sit on this cop's house and figure out if he really is corrupt or not, follow his
0: activities, see, you know, if he's like, uh, who he's hanging out. The cop being Jack mm-hmm. Cates, the cop being Jack Cates, Nick Nolte, or the that's even that seems better name? than
1: what I had in mind. Yeah, the cop. <laughs> that's right. That's how we do it. So they. So that's it. So rewrite. So um, because of because the Iceman was so connected to Jack, the police department think he's a bad apple too, and so they set Billy Estevez and Richard Dreyfus. And a wounded Rosie O'Donnell and a dying Rottweiler because they fed him chocolate. And so he's dying because chocolate is poisonous right. to dogs. Uh, they send them all to, to stake out the movie. And uh, um, when, when they realize that they're not going to get anything from the stakeout, uh, they call in Reggie to wear a wire. Um, and...
0: Wait, they know what? Reggie?
1: They, they, yeah, they, you kidding? They go back, you, go, Richard Dreyfus and, R- Richard Dreyfus was the cop <laughs> who first arrested uh, Reggie.
0: In Seattle and he was extradited to San Francisco? The, why
1: not? Like, Perfect. Like, there's nothing in these movies that suggests you cannot retcon the shit out of him.
0: And so they sent. <laughs> so Reggie
1: has to decide whether he's going to snitch because he's back in prison. That's what I didn't tell you. He's back in prison.
0: Oh, no. Reggie. Reggie
1: fucked up again. And he's back in prison. And now he's money? his way out. So he has to. uh, But he tells Jack that that's what he's doing. And so it becomes a battle of wits between the cast of Another Stakeout and Another 48 Hours in Another 48 Hours Stakeout.
0: That's a bull. Coming to VOD. So.
1: Summer 2023, <laughs> if the world still exists.
0: If the world could start and what filming was your again. Sequel? Well, I I was not as ambitious. I I was leaving the Stakeout series for dead. Uh
1: huh. Do they get killed? do they get killed off in a cold open? And this followed up by another cold open.
0: No, no. This is just strictly. A 48 hour sequel stake out you lost your chance when you turned it into a pet comedy. You're dead to
1: you. Could just have them, it could be like a pulp fiction thing where you just have them like driving, chatting, and then the car blows up in the middle of the freeway, and then you pan over to
0: <laughs> Nick Nolte and Eddie Murphy, yeah. Who are just
1: like leaving Seattle, and they look and they go, oh, that's a shame, and they get on the plane.
0: Well, the the only thing I had for sure was that any sequel to either one of these series would be called The Last, The Last 48 Hours or The Last Stakeout.
1: Wow, that's good.
0: Yeah, so I had an idea for The Last 48 Hours um, that would be made today. And Uh in this scenario... Retired cop Jack Cates is getting a 48-hour pass out of the old age home. <laughs> He's being taken out by his good friend, Eddie Murphy, who has now put his money to use as a private investigator.
1: I thought and you were going to say he, was, he ran the retirement home.
0: No, he doesn't run the retirement home. But uh, he comes and visits Jack often, and Jack is on a bender, not like an alcoholic bender but he's on a bender because he is looking at a cold case. Uh, Uh, Every cop has a cold case that they never were able to solve, that they keep working on. And so, uh, you know, he's got a, he's, he's found, he's discovered kind of a new clue and they're going to go out and they have 48 hours to try and uh, wrangle this one criminal that, uh, you know, always got away. And there's going to be like, you know, lots of jokes about age and, um, you know, how decrepit, they both are. I, I mean, I, I
1: love that kind of movie. Any movie. Yeah, I think which it would be delightful.
0: The only problem aging is people it
1: people together.
0: Yeah, the, the thing that scares me about that particular sequel is it it really does have the the danger zone of uh, leaning too far into the comedy zone that stakeout the another stakeout went into, um, but at the same time. Because of their age, I don't know. Like you, you, you know, the the forty eight hour movies are really violent, um, mm-hmm. and I don't think in their old age you want them to to, uh, you know, you don't want the violence to be there. So that's my picture. I, pr- I have
1: a proposed change. Okay, um, if so, Nulty gets his uh, Jack gets his uh, forty eight hour pass from the retirement home, and as he's getting on the buzz, the retirement home blows up. <laughs> and he has to solve the case of who tried to kill him. And you know, Like they were going to go out
0: for ice cream? 200 elderly people. <laughs> oh. Well, clearly, dear listeners, you're going to have to tell us which one of these sequels you like. Tom's uh, Hybrid, My Another 48, or l- rather The Last 48 Hours or Tom's uh, addendum to my uh, last 48 hours. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead and let us know what you think. Find us on Facebook, find us on uh, Twitter, find us on the Instas, uh, and let us know what you think. This is the Everything Sequel Podcast. Thank you for listening. Tom, say goodbye. Adios. All right. Elios For Tom Stewart, I'm Michael Shantz. We'll see you next time. Be good.